Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing too new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. God damn. Neil Young might be the godfather of grunge, hence why I'm wearing my flannel shirt, my Doc Martens. I put some Manic Panic hair paint in. I got my uh, bomber jacket that I bought from Smash in Georgetown, uh, which I used to skip school to go to so I could buy uh, Clockwork Orange t-shirts because I was the hippest fucking 16-year-old kid at Seneca Valley High School. Oh, shit. Hey, hey, my, my... Uh, this is the second version of it. Last song on the record. Uh, of the record, Russ Never Sleeps by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Uh, made in 1979. It's number 351 out of 500 on my show, The 500, with Josh Shademeyer. Scoogly boogly do. There's somebody so mad right now that I just spoke in Oogle language. All right, so let me tell you about my week. I went to go see My Morning Jacket at Forest Hill Stadium in Queens. Thank you, Silvio, my agent from William Morris, for getting me dope-ass tickets. Uh, VIP, Brittany Howard Open. Uh, she did two songs off of Maggot Brain by uh, Funkadelic and crushed it. And then My Morning Jacket came out and put on arguably one of the best shows I've seen since the pandemic. I saw Soulfly. I've seen Guns N' Roses. Uh, both of them great. My Morning Jacket. I wish I could have gone to the second night because that's what I love about a band. I love about any band that will just play 
they have such a catalog of music and they're like, we're doing multiple shows. We're not playing all the hits. We're going to play two different sets each night. That was my problem with Beck and I loved Beck, but the last like seven shows that I went to go see was the same show. My Morning Jacket, not so much, man. They played so many different hits. Ended with Megita. The only song, oh man, fuck, I wanted Steam Engine. They didn't do it. They probably did it on Saturday. And I wanted Lay Low. That's the song that I cried to when I first was doing the record Z on the podcast. And on the way home from San Diego, Lay Low just hit me those guitar solos. Oh, they played to Dante. Man, that was a great show. Uh, go see live music, everybody. Go see live music. We're back, kind of. So just do it. And join the Patreon because we need your support. Uh, $5 or more. Help us out. Some of you have been uh, telling me what will get you to pay that $5. We're taking your requests. We're going to do more stuff. I don't know. Just help support the show, guys. It's expensive. I don't want to quit doing it. I want to keep doing it, but I need to pay these people. So patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast or join the YouTube, youtube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers. And follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And I'll be at the Comedy Cellar almost every night. The Stand. I'll be at Moon Tower this uh, upcoming 22nd through the 25th in Austin doing the goddamn Comedy Jam. Live 500 taping. And then I'll be Long Island. I'll be in Edmonton, Vancouver, Plano, Texas. I'll be in Cancun. I'll be in Houston for Skankfest. Lots of stuff coming up. Let's talk about Neil Young. Harvest Moon. That might be my favorite song by him. Love Harvest Moon. This is a dude that I knew he was important. But once again, didn't really listen to him until this podcast. So this is really my first real record with him. Not going to lie. It's a good one. My guest today, huge fan. Huge fan. This is the reason we, we train, man. This is the reason we do the podcast, to have a guest like this. The one and only Tom Papa. Tom, an incredible comedian. Incredible comedian. He has a show called What a Joke with Fortune Themester on Sirius XM. Breaking Bread, his podcast. He's got a Netflix special called You're Doing Great. But this guy is a legend in comedy. One of the funniest people working today. Uh, he's currently working on his third book. But today, we're talking about Neil Yizzle with Tom Pizzle. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. All right. You want to do it, Neil? Here we go with number 351 called Rust Never Sleeps By Me and Crazy Horse. This is, here's here's the deal with me and Neil Young. Yeah. Is This is how much of a fan I am not of Neil Young, but that's not saying that I don't respect and enjoy his music, mm -hmm. is I thought the song Harvest Moon came out in like the early 70s. <laughs> And then I found out recently it came out in the 90s. And that that was really the first real love of Neil Young that I ever had because mm -hmm. I was I was probably like a two-year comic. I remember it's me, Gerard Carmichael, and my friend Angelo Bowers in this girl's these two girls' cars. We we've been smoking a joint after doing the unknown theater. Did you ever do the unknown theater? It was on Santa Monica and Seward in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh Sarah Tiana and Laura Valdivia uh like ran the show. It was a very, very important place for me in stand-up. Yeah. I was probably in New York at you the time. You, probably, okay. But everybody, that's where I met Burr. That's where I met 
Gaffigan, like so many people. That's where I started the goddamn comedy jam uh, because I met the band there. And we're, we're hanging out like four in the morning, listening to the radio. We'd smoked a joint and Harvest Moon comes on the radio. And I'm like, this is one of the greatest, most beautiful <laughs> songs I've ever yeah. heard in my life. And then I'm nothing. But, I don't listen to anything else of his really. But that's so strange because I was actually thinking about that because that, that fact always surprises me too. That like all those years later, that's when he pops that out. But it's so reminiscent of his early, early stuff too, that it seems like to love that and not love the stuff from yeah. his beginning solo, like it, there's so much connective tissue there that maybe you just didn't smoke the right weed and listen to the, <laughs> <laughs> those albums. Because seriously, because there's like the coolest thing about him as an artist is just how he's restless like he just keeps evolving but there's yeah. always that kind of that 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 common denominator of that that soulful folksy kind of angry like temp tempo uh not not tempo um meter to everything that he did well maybe it was also maybe you were just listening to other kind of stuff when that was happening you well know i mean, mean this you could have been a different guy Oh, 100%, I wasn't ready for it. But there was something about, like, Harvest Moon is one of my cry songs. It's mm -hmm. like that, uh, Vincent by Don McLean, um, mm. Stardust Memories by Nat King Cole, and I'll even throw in the Willie Nelson version of it. That's yeah. that's my favorite song of all time, Stardust With, Memories. Oh, Stardust Memories, yeah. You know that one? Oh, it's like, shit. sometimes I wonder how I've the lonely night. Oh, my God. Uh. And that's also, when I, did, that's when Willie Nelson did all those standards, right? That the whole album yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, and I actually just did his uh, granddaughter's podcast the other day, and she was like, when did you become a fan? And I was like, well, I mean, I thought he was cool and half-baked, but I didn't become a fan until until I heard him do the cover of that. And I'm like, oh, right, this guy right. is incredible. I mean, the fact that he, I know I have this story now, uh, I mean, I made me go back. And this is the same thing with Neil Young, is that it's yeah. not like I'm not a fan of his. I, I find him to be this fascinating character. I've seen him pop up throughout, like playing with Pearl Jam. And I remember when Crazy Horse came out and I need, I remember, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So I, so I know why this dude is super important. And, yeah. and, and, and that's not saying that I'm, that I'm not a fan, but this is honest to God, the first real record of his that I've ever listened to right. all the way through from start to finish. But wow. for, for it's you, it's interesting. I mean, there, there's definitely, there's definitely those things where you, which is such, so great about music also is that you, you are a different guy at different times as you're growing up, you're, mm -hmm. you're a different kind. And so like, if you were like hardcore into like metal, at the time that we should, that uh, your friends were folksy and listening to, you're just, you know, you're just a different guy and you're not gonna intersect with it. But for me, for Neil Young, yeah, I was into, I, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young and all that kind of stuff was like, kind of like whispering around me. But when I was, I was an athlete during, uh, during school and when I, and but I was, you know, I wasn't like a like a super jock. Like I was an athlete. I loved 
football and I loved all that stuff, but it was, by also, the way, are, are you not an athlete now at all? Like you're very specific. <laughs> you're like school after that, it's, it's, it, it all left my body. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, I was, yeah. Like there was no, I literally, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give you the, the, the actual timeline on it because when I was, I played football and, and then senior year, I played some kindergarten till senior year. And when football was over, I rolled a joint, I got my guitar, and I was done with sports. <laughs> and I started le learning. And I played that a zillion times in my room, getting high for the first time. Nice. And that was Neil Young was my co-pilot out of one era into another era in wow. my life. And I from that, so that was like talking about growing up and those different things that hook you. That yeah. was a love affair. And I was just in with Neil Young and just learning that, <laughs> that riff. So back then, what, what was it though? Like what, I mean, well, first of all, like, so this came out in, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. This came out in June of 1979. So I'm born five months after this November. Uh, so like, so I'm already, you know, by the time I have this is now I'm 41. So divine that it's like taking me 41 years posted coming out for me to finally dig into this. How yeah. old were you when this came out? So in 79, in 79, I'm 10, I'm, I'm nine. So, so I was a kid. I didn't, but I catch up to this in later six. Okay. Yeah. So, so in 86, so in 86, you're getting out of high school. Like you said, you stopped playing sports. You're smoking grass. Like, what is it that draws you to Neil Young? I, the words, like I was always wordy, you know, I was, I was also the class clown as I was an athlete. So I was always like into, into funny, you know, like yeah. I, I loved, you know, all the great comedian, like I was digesting comedy my whole life. So it was the words and the soulfulness and there was just an ease to it. I, there was just a, this wasn't a guy that was fucking around. This was a guy that was writing amazing melodies and stuff, but the words and the stuff, there was a weight to it. You know, there was just, you know, old man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you were like all that stuff was just hitting me. I don't, you know, why does a poet hit you? I don't know. I mean, but he tapped into something that I was identifying with, a hundred percent. He was just soulful and he was saying things that were opening up. I mean, even the rest of this album is, you know, stuff about Native Americans. And it was just like, it was just opening up. It was just, but you know, that's an intellectual part of it. The other part was just, I fucking love the music that and it's funny because when you think about this album like that's what the first thing that triggers in my mind is like oh this is when he's with crazy horse and it's getting he's getting harder you know he's leaving that acoustic thing it's actually a very sweet album the album is pretty it's pretty melodic and it's still reminiscent of that it's not like you know some of the stuff when he would really Which, tear it up electrically. This is what's funny is that I, from everything that I knew about Crazy Horse and what he, what they did with Neil Young, yeah, I, I can only picture like Mirrorball because I thought it was going to be this grunge, you know, keep on right. rocking in the free world from right. start to finish. And that yeah. was my, that's my music. I love, I, that's where I grew up with grunge. I love it more than anything. I, I still dress like a roadie for Soundgarden <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But then I put this on and it's so like the first half of this record 
I mean, is is like you said, it's beautiful. It's melodic. It's these yeah. acoustic ballads that are all recorded live. And the whole time I'm like, God, is this ever going to like pick up? And then side <laughs> yeah. two kicks in and you're like, but there it is, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> even, even him doing uh, my, my, Hey, Hey again. I mean, that is, yeah. It's like, it's everybody's talking about how great the song is. And I listened to the first version. And I'm like, I mean, it's beautiful, mm -hmm. but it's not until you get to the final song in the record that I'm like, Oh, now I get it. Now right, I see right. why this was important. So yeah. dude, when you start listening to this, I mean, does that kind of like, what were you also, listening to around that time oh uh, that's a great question yeah i'm gonna love answering because it's gonna kind of figure that out figure out like <laughs> why really we could like why was i listening to that because uh i i was listening to so in 86 so i saw van halen nice uh, in uh the 84 tour right mm -hmm. that was like my first concert at the madison square garden rem like early rem was was starting i was like listening to all of that stuff like document and document those great. kind of thing and um and but i also had this you know my father my father's influence i took his eight track and put it into my bedroom and mm -hmm. actually hooked an eight track that was for a car to speakers in my bedroom and i was listening to joe cocker and Jimi hendrix and uh boz skaggs <laughs> i was listening to, like <laughs> i had this kind of like this kind of stuff but I definitely had a folksy part like that REM kind of thing is is kind of folksy. And then, of course, Dylan, you know, that that was the same age where you hear I heard Dylan for the first time. So, you know what I mean? So it was like singer songwritery, a yeah. little more folksy. I wasn't I, I as much as I loved rock and, and that kind of stuff. I wasn't like completely balls out, needed like big stuff, you know, like. Did you get into hair metal? no really nothing no no like white what? snake like, i don't like know white like snake or poison here or... i go again <laughs> on my own yeah. yeah like i love that stuff but almost but only like in what was fed to me in the pop world you know what i mean like only yeah. stuff that was fed to me i wasn't like going and getting those albums i wasn't uh that wasn't my really my thing. Do you want to? This is this is how crazy life is, and I've talked about this before in the podcast. And actually, uh, she's helping me uh, not furnish, but you know, style my new apartment in New York. But my uh -huh. ex girlfriend, uh, who I was engaged to, is now married to Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, <laughs> and I was such a huge fan of Motley Crue when I was eleven years old or eleven or twelve. I cried <laughs> when they lost the American Music Award to Poison. <laughs> and now she's now like and it's it's crazy it's just like That's it's one of those crazy it's one of those things where you're just like if i mean if i never followed my dreams yeah i just never would have i right. never would have had that connection and it's like oh thank oh god. god if i never do anything in my career <laughs> i know those moments are so great when you're just like when you find yourself in these situations i always say quietly to myself thank you comedy like yeah. whenever, really, whenever I'm like in this crazy hotel or like standing next to an idol of yours or like in a conversation with somebody, you're just like, oh, man, thank you, comedy. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all.
Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, cause you've actually done, I mean, you've worked with some of the greats and you, and it's probably from, from, you know, what you've done in your career, have met some incredible people. Have you ever met Neil Young? I never met Neil Young. No, I never met Neil Young, but I was actually literally this morning. So uh, I was asked on my radio show, what was uh, one of the best concerts you've ever been to? Yeah. What and, was that? And the first one that popped into my head was Neil Young at the Beacon Theater it was probably like 90, it was probably Harvest Moon. It was probably like 92, 91, something like that. And it was a snowy night at the Beacon Theater. He was solo. He had this big pipe organ on the stage. Yeah. And he would go from guitar to this giant pipe organ, just like hunched over him, just that voice. I think that was another part of why I liked him because when I was learning guitar, I yeah. could, you could sing that falsetto. Like anybody could be like, yeah, oh man, take a look at, <laughs> look my, at life. my life. I'm a lot like, like you, you were. You know what I mean? Like, and just to see him like playing this, it was a snowy night when we went into the beacon and he plays this incredible show and he's just in there mis mystical like stuff. And then we poured out into the Upper East, Upper West Side and it, it was a blizzard. It was just packed with snow and we're high and we just kind of like drift out into the thing. It was just the one of the best concerts of my life. So so that's funny that you, you say that because, all right, so uh, I just moved to New York. I live in Gramercy. Um, oh, nice. Uh, because I'm getting sued. I can't tell you exactly where. I'm not letting the old landlord find out. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, on the other night during the the Hurricane Ida, uh, mm. and this is also what I, because you were saying about like music that you listen to, and and I, so I'm listening to this record, yeah, and then this thrash metal band is playing at Gramercy called Soulfly. They're from a band called Sepultura. It's like Brazilian thrash metal that I listened to when when I was basically the age that you found out about Neil Young, right? Um, and and much like that experience. You know, the, the concert ends, you know, it's just a bunch of sweaty, like <laughs> Latinos with really long hair. Just, just, ha, just been in the mosh pit. I haven't, I'm <laughs> we want and I'm just on the cut. And then I leave and it's like, we come out and I'm high and it's just torrential downpour. Wow. And not the same, but yeah. kind of the same. There wasn't yeah. an organ, but there was like, you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of devil fingers. It was, it, but it's also what's Moving, funny. Moving, big emotions. And then you pour out into this. But also weirdness but al of the city. But also what was funny is just the, the, you know, that, that 
comparison or not comparison, just you're, you're it's like two extremes where mm-hmm. you're listening to this thrash metal and then immediately I can put this on mm-hmm. and, and it's like, and I think that's something that just happens over time where it's like, I probably wasn't ready for singer songwriter stuff when I was your age right. that you found this record. Right. And right. then it's like, it's like my whole evolution. Like it's almost like this record came into my life perfectly now mm-hmm. where I'm, where I'm, I'm an adult. I've, I've, I, my, my musical landscape has broadened and it's like, I can actually appreciate this. Cause if I just would have heard Neil Young when I was in high school, I'd have been like, this guy's voice is terrible. Like it's not <laughs> right. like, I get it. Like I get yeah. that he's important and I get that he's saying stuff that's important. But yeah. it just never would have clicked until now. Which so is it must, re- it must have been it must have been a a little bit of for of a mind trip for you when if you're so into grunge, when at that moment when all of the grunge heroes are bowing to Neil Young, right? Because yeah. there was that moment when all of a sudden it was like, no, he's the guy. He yeah. was he was the god, right? When Eddie Vedder and all these guys were just like, no, nah, no, nah, this is the reason we do all of this. You must have been like, huh? Did it make you think, oh, maybe I should give this guy another listen? No, you know, it, yes and no. I, I think there was, I guess there was a, there was just a way that you, I kind of looked at it like, oh, cool, I'll get to that. I mean, I, I right. get it, and I and I just tucked it away. Yeah, yeah. And I did listen to the Pearl Jam stuff that he did because uh, I remember them doing "Rockin' in the Free World" at uh-huh. I think like the MTV Music Awards or or something right. where they brought yeah, him yeah. out, and. And it's, but it's like I said, it's just sometimes like, like jazz. Like I always look at jazz because jazz is my favorite music of all time. And oh, my, yeah? my dad grew up with just playing it for me. And yet wow. I just didn't, I remember I, when I was a kid, I was like, this is cool. And then I started getting into hair metal around eight. And then I was like, all right, you uh-huh. know what? Like jazz is lame. And it wasn't <laughs> until I had a moment around like 2021 where it somehow made its way back into my life uh-huh. on a road trip. And then it, from that point on, it was like, oh, I was ready for that. Which yeah. still at, at 20, 21 years old is like super young to get totally. into something like Miles Davis or to get into Oscar Peterson trio. Oh. But, but singer songwriter stuff that's very young and it's like you know especially i'm going to raves and i'm like taking cat tranquilizer and then it's like (laughs) you know you're going to the after party like you guys want to hear some stan gets (laughs) right but it's but this the thing is that like it's singer songwriter stuff it wasn't until my my late 20s but by that point it was a lot of like british rock uh, mm-hmm. A lot of like British acoustic rock, like Richard Ashcroft and Radiohead and Travis. Mm-hmm. I, I just kept putting Neil Young on the back burner until right. Harvest Moon. And when I had that moment with Harvest Moon, it, it, it just made me start yeah. like kind of finding out a little bit more, listening to a, to a little bit more. But uh, it, it's it, this is what's so great about it is everything that we just said about you know, the side one and the side two, it's like, you really can see just like how important he was to that grunge scene, because that's mm-hmm. the whole second half of this record is literally uh, man in the box. It's, it's by Allison Chains. It's Nirvana. Uh-huh. It's Pearl Jam. It's, right. I mean, it's every right. element. And so he is in a sense at the forefront of being the godfather of grunge. And think about it. Like he had already, I mean, he started very young and he was, he had already had all this success. I mean, he's definitely, whatever your opinion, he is a true artist. Like this is a guy that is totally fine 
with taking everything that's ornate and 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 in place for his career and just tossing the table up and trying something new, leaving band members, going for something else. He was always like dedicated to the music. It was such a, you know what I mean? Like he was, so he had this career and he, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. And then he gets to that age and in 79 and just decides like, I want to turn up the amps. I want to just blast the shit. I want to, I want to, I want people to feel this rock. I want people to feel this energy. I want to harness this thing and push that out. This yeah. is the guy that was like so sweet and, you know, playing Sugar Mountain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. at that, like, like it's almost like he should have, don't you start off plugging in and just ripping the shit out of stuff and wanting the walls to crack and wanting old people to hear you. Like he starts it, soft and then all of a sudden kicks into that. So I think, I think we're, this is what you, everything you just said about Neil Young about like, he's, you know, it's like, he's, 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 it's, he's not locked down to just doing like playing with one band. Like he's kind of like the jazz musicians of mm -hmm. the fifties the and the sixties where Miles Davis is like, all right, I'm going to play with these guys now. Yeah. And now I'm going to go over here and play with them. And, and much like Miles Davis, you know, Miles started seeing the tide turning in music where he was mm -hmm. like, okay, this, this non-electric stuff is passe. Everything right. is sly in the family stone. Now it's funk, it's uh -huh. parliament. So let's plug in and let's make something like bitches brew, which, you yeah. know, is a masterpiece. You know, it, it took you a few years around it, <laughs> you can get but there's moments that are so beautiful. And then you're like, this is a fucking, mess <laughs> right but yeah, is it me but or is it him <laughs> but but that's the thing is that i think you know from what i read in here let's 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 read a little bit about the record because adam pulled up some good stuff hold on where's the little dude or here it is all right so here's a little bio about the record so this was released in june of 1979 this is a most this is mostly a live album with songs taken from different performances in 78 then overdubbed in the studio with audience noise removed as much as possible the album is divided into an acoustic uh, Neil solo side and an electric with Crazy Horse. After his final performance at the boarding house on May 28th, Young collaborated with the art punk band Devo mm -hmm. on a cacophonous version of Hey, Hey, My, My, Into the Black at the different first studio in San Francisco and would later introduce the song to Crazy Horse. Wow. Uh, Devo. <laughs> Diva, which which we've had, um, we had what's his face, uh, Gerald Casali on the podcast. Wow. So, and wow. I had their drummer, uh, Josh Freeze, oh, which is man. another band that like completely blew me away. Because it's, yeah. it's like the funny thing is like even with Neil, like I always looked at him as the old man taking a look at my. But then you find <laughs> out that he's got this whole other collection of great music, and much like Devo, I only saw them as Whip It. Uh -huh. And then you start listening <laughs> to the rest of their shit and this band fucking rules. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so during the different first studio session, Devo vocalist Mark Mothersbaugh added the lyrics, Russ Never Sleeps, a slogan he remembered from his graphic arts career promoting the automobile rust-proofing product, Rust-Oleum. <laughs> Young adopted the line and used it in his Crazy Horse version of the song as well as the title of his album. The electric style is described as abrasive and was influenced by the punk rock zeitgeist of the late 70s and provided a stark contrast from Neil's previous release, uh, Comes a Time. The album mm. has also widely been considered a precursor of grunge music, like we said, and many grunge artists have said, yep, they've been inspired by Young's distortion guitars on the B side of this record. So yeah, right. so that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. And you're right, like with the, with the Neil Young, I mean, with the, with the Miles Davis thing, it's, you gotta think like, 
all right, they're good. They're great. Everybody calls them geniuses, right? Yeah. And so there's like this, it's almost pretty ballsy to be like, all right, all the young kids are going and doing this now. I'm going to do it too. And I'm going to try and do it better. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty ballsy to be well, like. I, a, he's a hip guy. I mean, he, I mean, for, for having such a weird hair, like the way his hair falls, he's a really <laughs> hip guy. Yeah. It's a really, it's just, it's all, I feel like it's, he's always been at the beginning of like, you know, male pattern baldness. It's yes. It just hasn't <laughs> gone away. It's just like, it's thinner. It's like, you want to yeah. give him some like horse shampoo and just like, just come on. Can we use like a, something he's super but, tall. So he's always hunched over. So the hair actually like, he's yeah, like yeah, warlocky. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Very warlocky. Perfect. <laughs> Warlock. But there's, but that's the thing is that like, he is this cool guy. I mean, mm -hmm. so to Would see, you ever see, you ever see the documentary of, uh, of Crosby, Stills and Nash when they're, cause they, you know, that was a very, uh, you know, him and, and, and those band members, it, it was like, they were, they were kind of at war. Like they were, they, they put it together and they put all of them in and they were, they got something, they've got lightning in a bottle and Neil's just like, no, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing. And him, you know, fighting with all of those guys, there was just like these big egos. And he was, and the reason I bring it up is because he says his dedication, he's like, he's kind of cantankerous in the, in the documentary when they're asking yeah. him about it. Like, why did you screw with this? And he's like, it was just about the music. I'm sorry if feelings get hurt. And I'm sorry if people think like I'm an asshole sometimes, but it was all always, always was and always will be about the music. It's always about creating music, pushing music, doing, and it was, I don't care if a band member gets upset. It's, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about the music. And that's why he went through all these iterations and played with all these different people. Yeah. And, you know, those guys, you know, they've said in a lot of interviews, he's an a-hole. <laughs> have you? And he's have, like, no. It's have, you, have you ever met somebody in comedy that had that same perspective where they're just like, God, it's like they're so great of a comic. It's just mm -hmm. they're just like they don't care about the friendships. They don't care about anything. It's just the jokes. I don't know. I don't know. I find comedians to be a little more sensitive. Like they, they, they do care about what you think about them. You know That's what true. I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, maybe Louie back in the day, he was like, he was the only guy that seemed to be kind of an asshole and didn't care about what your conversation was on the yeah. way to the stage. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, probably him more than anybody. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he was so he was, and he was there just, you know, I didn't like him because he was kind of an asshole, but uh, but he you couldn't deny that he was he wasn't there to make small talk. He was there to go up on stage and do his thing. Sure. You know, sure. Well, so, so, so Neil Young, in a sense, is 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 basically that that's what he cares about. He wants to make the music. Mm -hmm. He wants to do something great or at least something that's that's in his heart. And it, and I feel like from this record, he he basically got that because yeah. each each song on this record is is a complete and utter like outpouring of just emotions mm -hmm. that, yeah. that's what i experienced i mean so let's let's kind of go through this record a little bit all right what first of all well i'll get to it i don't want this this <laughs> album has the greatest the greatest uh track title of all time <laughs> 
Can you guess what I'm thinking of? Uh, Ride My Llama? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I love and I love this song, too. (laughs) And didn't he he raise llamas like later in his life? Adam, (laughs) find out. Adam, find out. There's got if there's a video of him like uh, like llamas or ostriches or I think it was llamas, though. I'm I'm praying there's like a video of him like like feeding (laughs) like an alpaca or whatever those things are that this those like llama esque. Oh, God. All right. But we got to start with the title track, not the title track, but the opening track. My, my, hey, hey, out of the blue. Uh, Young compared the rise of Johnny Rotten with that of the recently deceased King Elvis Presley in this track, who himself had once been disparaged as a dangerous influence only to later become an icon, Rotten mm. returned the favor by playing one of Young's songs, Revolution Blues, from On the Beach on a London radio show, an early sign of Young's eventual embrace by a number of punk-influenced alternative musicians. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. It's yeah, interesting. It's, I, I didn't know the punk thing. I knew like the grunge part of it, but not that the. But well, I mean, yeah, that's such a great line. But there's, I think the the line that really, really sticks out to me, which is the one which you know, I was going to ask you, is this arguably one of the most important uh-huh. rock lyrics of all time? It's better to burn out than fade away. <sighs> I know, I know. But that is a great line. I mean, come on. That is, I mean, cause that's, that's the weird thing about rock though. Right. I mean, it's that all those, there were all those bands kind of lashing out of like, it's better to burn out than to fade away. And it's like, but these guys went on to have careers 40 years after that, so that lyric was written. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, a hundred percent. So, so does that lyric speak to you or is there like another Neil Young lyric that sticks out to you even more? Um, that is one of the, one of the, tops i would say i mean old man take a look at my life i'm a lot like you were that one for me that's that version a version of that line stays hits me in different ways as i continue to age (laughs) yeah you know what i mean like my relationship with my father like there was times when you were like like there was an anger towards it then there was an embracing of it and then you like you see all the different shades in that one line, that probably for me is carries a little more weight. I get that. But what, you know? like, what about this lyric in particular, though? Like, what do you think? Um, especially just from the meaning of it, do you think that it is better to to burn out or to fade away? Better to burn out than to fade away. It's hard to say. Like as a as like when I look at musicians, there are very few that you want to see running around that can do it. Like you could see like a Keith Richards continues to go and. Bob Dylan continues to go and like there are versions of it there, but then there's, there's like that, that, that brand of like, you know, youthfulness that you don't want to see. Like when you see like on, on the, uh, the DVD things on television, when you're on the road and you see like the specials for like the, for like foreigner and like, you see some of these guys that are still out there doing it. And you're like, it's kind of cringy. And you see yeah. like the 55 year old women still pumping their fists in, yeah. the, in the audience. It's just like, some of it doesn't work. Some of it doesn't age and it should fade. It should burn out. It should have burned out. No, the, I, you go to see some band like Rolling Stones. I mean, right. they're just, they're still putting on a show. They're still killing it. Bruce Springsteen still uh-huh. killing it, doing a three or four hour show. Paul McCartney, he's in his, I think he's in his late seventies if not early eighties yeah. and he's still killing it. 
foreigner on the other hand <laughs> they my buddy works for booz allen hamilton in washington dc and during their <laughs> christmas party foreigner played right right you know? i know and they're great they're a yeah. great band but it's yeah. it's you know it's Lover it's one boy. of those <laughs> I, it's one of those things where like so i do that music comedy show the goddamn comedy jam where it's like all the comics sing and it's great and i'm 41 and i've said i'm only gonna i'm gonna keep doing this show until i don't look cool doing it anymore mm -hmm. you know and i think mm -hmm. there's like you know i don't know when that's gonna be because my right. knees are already starting to hurt and i mean <laughs> i've got so much cbd cream on my knee and it's like you know one Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. I don't, I don't, you know, in, in, when you really look at that lyric, though, I mean, let's look at like a band like Nirvana. Uh -huh. because because I think that because one also and this is I'm, wow it's full circle I didn't even think about that as I was saying this this is actually pretty creepy um, the lyric uh, it's better to burn out than fade away mm -hmm. uh, was uh, quoted in Kurt Cobain's suicide note really yeah Whoa. Young later said that he was so shaken that he dedicated his two his nineteen ninety four album Sleeps with Angels to Cobain. So all right, so that's that's perfect mm. that that I actually brought that up because I didn't because like one, that's Josh. A, thank you very much. Thank you. Good one. I've got chills. You? I've got chills. But this is the thing though, is like what would have happened with Nirvana if he doesn't die in 1990 and quote me if I'm Adam, was it 93 or 94? Just because I know somebody's going to get pissed. 94. It's 94. So yeah. if he doesn't kill himself in 1994 and Nirvana continuously keeps making records, I mean, right. is it in, is in, in, in why now? Same thing. It's like, because they have these small catalogs of music. Yeah. That, even the doors, so, like, it's like yeah. you, you get four records, five records, and then that's it in that short window. Are they still the legends that we still look at these icons? Is Kurt Cobain going to be, you know, there are there kids that it's, are, that are, that are 13, 14 years old that are wearing Nirvana shirts. Like this is the band. Right. Are right. they still doing that? Cause they're frozen in time. Yeah. They're doing it, but it's different. I mean, Dave Grohl still rocks. He's still, you know, doing his thing, but it's, there is a, there's a, I, look, I'm, I'm all for artists going and getting deeper and becoming something else, but that's a different conversation. That thing that you're talking about, like me, like, Kurt Cobain is distilled for us. He is yeah. set in amber as that rebellious, that thing that he captured 
is, oh, that's just going, we only get that from him. That is it. And that is pretty special. It's horrible, but horrible. it's pretty special that that's all that we get. And because it just, oh, it's so, the essence of all of that is just set in time, set in stone. So yeah. yes, he, he would have, I guarantee you, I would go see Kurt Cobain 20 years later in, at the Beacon on a snowy night with some weird instrument up on stage and it would be meaningful and something special, but it would have evolved into something different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's look at it, look at it and like, look at it in film. Cause this is the one that just keeps popping in my head. All right. Someone like James Dean, right? Mm -hmm. James Dean is just encapsulated this good looking young dude, yeah. the coolest of the cool. Yeah. And then who is also like his, who's like contemporary Marlon Brando yeah. and Marlon Brando <laughs> should have died right around last tango in Paris because, yeah. because he did the Island of Dr. Moreau. He was a fad blob. And I think he wasn't even in half the movie. If you watch that yeah. Val Kilmer documentary yeah. and it's like, we look at Marlon Brando now, Dude, he's the greatest actor that has ever lived. He changed the face of acting, and yet all we think of him is that fat dude wearing a wearing a moo moo with the little tiny person, yeah. you know, and on this shit movie directed <laughs> by John Frankenheimer, which is terrible. Terrible. I know. I know. It's horrible. So yeah, you're right. It's like this. It becomes this different story. I will say this though. What the one art form that can continue to uh, where you want to see them get old. And I'm not just saying this for our benefit is comedians. True. Comedians, because very few comedians are rock stars, sexy, young, vibrant rock stars. They're thinkers. They're communicating. Like I mean, Yakov Smirnoff was very sexy. He I was much very, <laughs> very sexy. There are some exceptions. <laughs> There are some exceptions, but you want to see like you want life experiences. You want people. I would much rather watch a comedian later on than when they're starting, even though they're funny people. And, you know, we all start out and it's like my apartment, my dick. <laughs> and and my girlfriend. Dude, <laughs> it's just did like, you just look right. at my set? Did you just look at my set from last night, the cellar? Because that's everything I just talked about. Yeah. So you know, like there's there's life experience for comedians, but that's a different thing. They're almost well, like more like writers. There's funny that you're saying that, and I'm not going to name who the comic is, but I'm friends with a very very big comedian, and we were talking about about stand up, and they are talking about how they want to retire because they're feeling like their specials aren't getting better they're getting worse and um, and he's like i don't want to you know i it's like i've i've done the hits i've done all this great stuff mm -hmm. i've toured the world i've made a lot of money but i last thing i want to do is put out a bunk special that cuz dude you know comics dude we are you know we, like we said earlier it's like we even louis cares about what his contemporaries think he might not like it might not influence like his his life you know to the point where he's like i have to change my whole set but we there's something about seeing a comic in the back watching our set and just being like okay they stuck around to watch me so we we like that respect so so i know for a fact that that he's you know probably heard and 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 realizes that it's not as good as the first few specials mm -hmm. and so he's like i feel like it's it, and he's young he's a younger dude uh -huh. you know it's rare that you get somebody like carlin who's you know and listen 
Carlin's later specials weren't as funny, but what he was saying right. was 100% spot on. It wasn't as nearly as funny as the other stuff, but someone like Lenny Bruce, who's one of my favorite comics, of just the, just the, the mythos of him, just the mm-hmm. legend of Lenny Bruce. If Lenny Bruce survives the trial, survives heroin, never dies, is he still this 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 like king of cool and like you know what i mean yeah but it's it's uh, the reason that carlin that was is because he continued to write he continued to mine that source he can u- continue to use his craft to dig deeper and whatever young comic is saying I, oh i already did it well be more patient go back and write mine it you're a great comic mind obviously you're able to connect with people yeah. go deeper be patient don't release something for another four years, maybe. Yeah. Go back to be patient. Let it grow. Let it become, and then fucking come out with it. Don't feel like I've got to do it every hour and keep up and keep my tour going. It's all marketing grossness. Yeah. You are richer as an older person. Go deeper, mine it, and then put it out. And don't be a slave to the what, what you think the public wants from you. Yeah. Stay true to the art form and go. I mean, if you can write and you can, if you're still constantly writing, you'll be relevant. It's the guys that stop and you see it. You see like the references are a little dated. They're not really exploring. You can see it. And it's because they're not creating, right? I know, dude. I've got, I got 10 minutes on Reaganomics. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, God, I got I to gotta write more, man. Yeah. He's like, this new Gingrich guy. And they're like, what is it, Josh? What, you're only in your 40s, dude. Yeah, yeah. I know. But, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, I, and that's, that's a great point because, like, there's someone like Burr. I feel like his specials are getting better, mm-hmm. you know. And it's and, and that's the thing. And, 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 and just to add to that point, you know, dude, it, it rules getting old. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's especially as an artist, it's like you, we become more comfortable mm-hmm. in our skin and, you know, some, some music you know, musicians and comedians have put out better stuff as they've gotten older. For example, um, and I did the album on my podcast, uh, Peter Wolf. Is uh-huh. that, yeah. Jay Giles. Jay Giles band. He had that record. I did it with Burr uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, and the Jay Giles band stuff is great, but like, this is like a, a fully formed artist, yeah. you know, and for like yeah. one guy in his fifties, I think maybe he was in mm-hmm. his fifties or like early sixties putting out a record about getting older. And he talks about love in a right. way that you're like, oh, this is a person that's lived through it and experienced uh-huh. the end of a relationship that's been heartbreaking and how to come out of that. Because someone in their early 20s that's writing a song about love has no fucking idea no about idea. what real love is. So no. some can mine it, some can mine it and use it and use it properly. But then on the other hand, some are just like, some bands are just still making the same record yeah, about Reaganomics. And, and look, there's, uh, there's something, you know, like the, the Nirvana thing is a, a great example. And just some bands are, you love them for their youth. You love them for their anger, for their thing. Like the Stones, you know, they, they put out some good stuff like later on. But does anything touch like Gimme Shelter and those like the raw energy of what they were doing? Yes, they evolved. And if you love them, you're going to go the whole distance with them. Yeah. But there is something to those the raw energy of youth and anger that you know 
you just want that and you don't <laughs> want them to die. We don't, we, we, no. well, we'd like to go and like look back and do all the rest of it. But there's, you know, like watching Dylan, I saw Dylan at Madison Square Garden in like 98. So what is and, that? What album is that? Is that the fucking the Time Out of, of Mind? Mind maybe? Yeah, yeah, we did that. I did that with, uh, who do we do? Was that, was that Rita Wilson? Check to see. I didn't do this. Is I've had the weirdest people on this yeah, podcast, this dude. I've had Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks's wife, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, it's, oh, it's great. These it's are good in, people. Good people. But there was, I remember what we watched, and he had that great band with, what was it, John Sexton? And, uh, and, and, you know, that album was kind of like a rebirth. It was kind of like yeah. a new, a new thing. And the, the album, it was great. But I, I was with a bunch of people that, you know, several people that were not really hardcore Dylan fans. And uh, they came out like, yeah, it was good, but man, that voice, you know, that's always the thing. Oh, yeah. But he was evolving into this different character. And he, but for me, like the, the artistry, like his craft work could not have been better. Like he was, he was so good and he was evolving. And it was like, like guys like that, these quirky, you know, different um, like poets in a way. And Neil Young is the same thing. It's like they weren't the guy in tight pants selling sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's what it is. It's like if you're selling sex and you're a sexy young person to see that get older as a as a yeah, like, Brando, nobody, like oh, it's like, Lee. but if you yeah. show up and you're just kind of like a goofball and you're just like a different kind of a thing that can get old because you. You want to see a gnome when he's old. You don't want to see a gnome. You yeah. weren't into the gnome because he was wearing sexy pants coming out of the mushroom. <laughs> Huge fan of gnomes. Huge oh, fan. Love gnomes. So I found this quote. Uh, John Lennon commented on the message of the song in a 1980 interview with Dave Sheff from Playboy. And it's specific about it's better to burn out than fade away. And John Lennon is quoted saying, I hate it. It's better to fade away like an old soldier than to burn out. If he was talking about burning out like Sid Vicious, forget it. I don't appreciate the worship of dead Sid Vicious or of dead James Dean or dead John Wayne. It's the same thing. Making Sid Vicious a hero, Jim Morrison, it's garbage to me. I worship the people who survive. Gloria Swanson, Greta Garbo. They're saying John Wayne conquered cancer. He whipped it like a man. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that he died and all that. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, is, this is a real quote. Like they yeah. literally just, could they, could they, Adam, could you have cleaned this up a little bit to get me the meat and potatoes? I like I it. Like, I like it. No, keep going. Right. I'm sorry for his family, but he didn't whip cancer. It whipped him. I don't want Sean worshiping John Wayne or Johnny Rotten or Sid Vicious. What do they teach you? Nothing. Death. Mm. Sid Vicious died for what? So that we might rock. I mean, it's garbage, you know, if Neil Young admires that sentiment so much, why doesn't he do it? Because he sure as hell faded away and came back many times like all of us. No, thank you. I'll take the living and the healthy. All right. See, this is this is what's difficult is whoever says it last makes sense. I get what John Lennon is saying. And in all honesty, that's kind of how as on a human level, that is what I believe, like the old, like fine wines, old artists getting older, I'm totally on board. But the kind of young burning out and rather than fading away, you know, that we have the Jimi Hendrix, Johnny Rotten, 
Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison stories as part of our musical litany and and, and our then the history. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it I don't I don't want to say that death is cool and that these people suffered and all the people left behind didn't suffer. Of course they did. It's all horrible. And I like I said, I like things to age, but that we have those kind of I crazy cool little chapters i yeah. don't know it's kind of ballsy no i completely agree with you i mean so it's it's uh, trust me i would love to have some of these people back there's there's sure. certain artists that you're in friends or, or whatever that you're just like you know like my i lost my best friend in uh, in 2012 and you know if if he doesn't die i don't apply what he taught me about life to my life and so I've been able to find the good in that. And I think it's the same mm -hmm. thing with you know, these artists passing away where it's like, we, we get this small window with them. They make mm -hmm. their stamp on the world. They change, you know, like do Nirvana changed oh, music. God. It changed teenagers. It changed oh, yeah. everything. And, and I don't know if he still has that effect. I don't know if the world turns into the world that, that we know, like also, I don't, did you yeah. see the Woodstock 99 documentary? I hosted Woodstock '99. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait, did did fuck? I feel like I was just talking about this. Are you, your friends were like Rich Voss. Wasn't Rich Voss supposed to go with Rich, you or something? There's a great. Yeah, he was there. He was on. Rich was working the small stage. Not to shit on Rich, but he he was actually having more fun. But he was on the small <laughs> stage, and I was on the main stage. And there's a great. I literally just saw these photos of it where uh, Rich and I are like at his stage and we're both just like sit looking and there's like this <laughs> sea of people behind us. Like, what the hell are we doing here? But they asked some comics to come and, and host and like bring people on and off. And yeah, I was there. And my friend who I was went to, who I brought along, who's just a, you know, a big music fan. Yeah was like, dude, I was watching the documentary, like, please don't show Tom. Please don't show Tom. <laughs> this is you covered in mud, like, yeah, yeah, grabbing a titty. You're like, Tom was, he was adding to it? Oh, my God. Hilarious, yeah. dude. That's yeah. great. Oh, oh, my God. It was intense. It was so uh, great. I mean, I mean were, you, were you scared for your life? I was, I actually, at the end, yeah. At the end when it was burning down. And who's the, uh, the wheeze? that DJ from Buffalo area, like he's a legendary DJ. The Wheeze, I think his I name is. I don't find him because I got to see what this guy looks like. And I have to hear his morning He looks like voice. John Fox. Like, it, oh, he's like, yeah. Yeah, he sounds like me. He's like, yeah, the way the Wheeze. We're giving away Woodstock 99 tickets. You can be totally. backstage with Wes Borland from Limp Biscuit if you're the fifth caller. A hundred percent. You just nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that guy and his wife threw me in the back of their car because they knew the area and they got me out of there at the they, end when it was they, starting they, to burn down. They, yeah. they, know, they know, uh, not without my daughter knew they, they fucking went in there and fucking <laughs> threw like, you in, covered you. Come Papa, on, get in the car. <laughs> get, get you out of here. <laughs> we gotta go. Come on, man. We, save Tom Papa. Save Tom Papa. Get away from me. You, you, you shit covered fan. <laughs> the shit is on fire. <laughs> and it was like, it was, yeah, it was kind of, it was, I mean, they, there's so much to it, but sure. The beginning was so great like when james uh, i'm like i'm just standing there on the side of the stage the whole thing's about to kick off a hundred thousand people in the audience and james brown is standing next to me in his in his uh jumpsuit he's like <laughs> you know the short little powerful alien and they're like somebody's got to go out and say something so i just walk up to the mic 
<laughs> I'm like, are you guys ready? <laughs> I don't know what to say. You look beautiful. <laughs> Water bottles, boots, shipping coming thrown at me. And uh, and then James Brown goes on and just and just rocks and just it. annihilates. That's so oh great. Oh my god, just kicked it off. So I found this young replied uh two years later to what Lennon said. He said, The rock and roll spirit is not survival. Of course, the people who play rock and roll should survive. But the essence of the rock and roll spirit to me is that it's better to burn out really bright than to sort of decay off into infinity. Even though if you look at it in a mature way, you'll think, well, yes, you should decay off into infinity and keep going along. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll doesn't look that far ahead. Rock and roll is right now. What's happening right. right this second, is it bright or is it dim? Because it's waiting for tomorrow. And that's what people want to know. And that's why I say that. Mm. How about that? That's, How about that, dude? I would love for that conversation between Lennon and Neil Young to have gone on for five days. <laughs> Forget Woodstock. <laughs> I would have just sat and watched those two talk, right? Oh my god! Yeah. And just Yoko in the corner, just yeah. like and everybody and every guy. Every time someone opens their mouth, they win the debate, and then until the next one speaks, yeah, 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 they're just nailing it the whole way. Um, man, oh listen, man. I, I both of them are right. Both, both of right. these guys are right. There, there yeah. is, you know, yeah. there's so many people that, that would want some of these people that have just burnout, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they would want them back. But, you know, this, this, this is what we have to accept what we have. And what we have is, is some people only have a short window, but yeah. their stamp is there and it's super cool. And, and, and that's, the, that's what's cool about life is that we can keep questioning it and being like, God, what would have happened though? Mm -hmm. like, what, like what would have happened if Michael Jordan got drafted by the Portland Trailblazers instead of Sam Bowie? Like <laughs> right. what would, would it still have been great? We never yeah. know. And that's yeah. what's great about life. Yeah. And yeah, and there's, you know, they're, they're speaking to a part of our psyche, like those people that did burn out talks to that reckless part of you that that part that uh, that self sabotaging part of you that what if I were to just just take drugs and, and alcohol and just say, fuck it and just go what, what you right? we all have that little thing in us. What if I went that way? Can well, I tell you it's awesome. I've done it and it's <laughs> it's fucking great, dude. Me and the wheeze. Me and the wheeze. The wheeze. We should call the can we get the wheeze on the phone? Is he still alive, the wheeze? I think the wheeze is. I don't know if he's still on the air. I, I probably not. That was a long time ago. Wait, what do you the, got here? What are you sharing? This is the wheeze. That's the wheeze. Yep, that's the wheeze. It's <laughs> kind of how I envision him. I mean And this seems like it's kind of recent. Like he he looked he looks older now for sure. So this is definitely since then. When I when I knew the wheeze, when I was with the wheeze, he was probably forty pounds, fifty pounds heavier. I mean, he was like a big chubby dude, and with, with a Hawaiian shirt, just like it's Louise, you know, your whole impression. <laughs> and then when shit went down, the coolest part of that was well, there was a lot of cool parts, but I stood on stage when Kid Rock came out. Kid, that's when that's when Kid Rock really cemented like his spot. And everyone was anticipating it. Like backstage, he was just driving around on this little scooter, like with his knees up over it. Like he was this yeah. tiny little scooter. And and he had that little that little person that was always on stage with him. And uh, and he everyone was just waiting. It, it was just all happening. Like he was just rising. And then he came out on stage and the place went insane. Yeah. And I was I got to stand on stage in the back 
watching the like feeling it that was the coolest that was the thing uh, the most profound thing was feeling the energy of a hundred thousand people just literally feeling it and then knowing the power that musicians had to play with that energy to control that like to actually harness it it was like I was up there like, and our next band is <laughs> work boots. <laughs> Hit me in the head and run off. The closest thing I got, I played Marco Polo with the with the audience. For, like we needed to fill time. And I was like, Marco. And they all just started Polo. <laughs> and we just started going back and forth. And that was the only like semblance of like playing with it. I was like, oh, I see why rock stars are drug addicts because yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't make a drug that's as powerful as what that feels like. That was your like uh, Freddie Mercury at Live Aid, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. Yours is just Marco, Marco, Polo, Marco, Polo. I came up, I was, bu- I was buzzing. <laughs> like, who's got cocaine? Because now I think it's the only thing that's going to keep this going. Yeah, he, dude, Kid Rock had that was his moment. He had that moment, it and he was. capitalized on it. And and I think like when you think about everything that happened at Woodstock '99 with all mm-hmm. the bad shit, if if you say, well, what was one of the positives? You're like fucking him coming out in that in that fur with the red yeah. hat, taking it off, looking over the audience, and Oof. then hitting that "My name is Kid" and the things going off. Ugh. I still watch that and I still get chills. And uh, Brad Williams, the little person comic, has sang that song like four times at the goddamn comedy jam the same way. Wow. Comes out with the fur, which is great <laughs> that he's got a tiny fur and he annihilates it. And wow. it's like, if somebody ever drops out of a show, he's the first person I call. I was like, you got to do the kid rock thing. That's so great. <laughs> yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! The other really cool moment for me was the one night ended with Metallica. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it was like, everyone's hanging out on the stage, you know, everyone's like hanging around and the bands are coming in. When Metallica came in, it was like, if you're not with Metallica, get the fuck out of here. And nice. they just cleared... 100 yards from the stage, it was just Metallica people, and they went up and just in their powerful Metallica darkness, just, and they ended the night. And then the next morning, the first act is Willie Nelson and family, (laughs) and he comes out there with his little guitar, and he's like, good morning, everybody. And just the softness of just waking everybody up with his music was just like, this is just as baller as what Metallica did that night sure. in this totally different way. I mean, so impressive. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, Adam, you might want to check this for me, but isn't that kind of what they did with Jimi Hendrix doing the Star Spangled Banner? It's like, wasn't he the right. first thing probably that morning? Because that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. So check, check on that. Yeah. That, good morning. Yeah. It's just, it's like you're, you're waking everybody up. You know, you, you know, back then everybody's probably on. What are the drugs back then? You know, LSD, four, and LSD mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah, a lot of weed. All Maybe light stuff. 
All the light, yeah, real, <laughs> real, real friendly, real. huggy stuff. I'm glad I didn't go. I watched it on, um, I watched it on pay per view at my friend's house, and uh -huh. I mean, it's just after you watch that documentary, you're like, man, it is what yeah. a what a shit they, show. Like going really the way you went, going the way you went is great. I had a hotel. I would go do the thing, <laughs> and really, and they would take me off, and I would go to a hotel and sleep at night with my friend, and it was just like. And then you come back and like, we had no idea. We just like thought it was all great. We had no idea these kids were starving and had no water. It was just awful. So what, so he goes, so Josie, uh, so Josie was Kid Rock's stage partner, the little person. Josie, right. Hendrix was, has been scheduled to climax Woodstock's final evening around midnight, but scheduling delays meant that he did not take the stage until 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody. All yeah. right. Uh, let's, let's, let's get to a couple more tracks and then we'll get some facts out. Um, all right. I got to say when I said about ride the llama, this is the greatest title ever. <laughs> this also might be my favorite song on the record. Uh, uh -huh. Don't tell me yours yet. Cause I'm going to ask you at the end, but this is, I think this is my favorite moment on side one. I met a man from Mars. He picked up all my guitars and played me traveling songs. And when we got on, he brought out something for the trip and said it's old but it's good yeah that great great title for me not the best song okay okay what about pocahontas i think pocahontas has the best opening lyric on the record play uh, play the opening There's something so special about that. That's real rock star shit. When you could just have like two words and you're like, all right, I'm done. That's good. It's, it's a great song. And then it kicks in the drums, which are super like minimal, like still it, it adds to it. Mm -hmm. it. It makes it such a great song. Uh, are there any cool facts? Let me see. He had uh, this cool thing. Like, I mean, even from the early stuff and then this stuff and like Pocahontas is such a great example of it. He had this way of, of, of connecting you to the Western American experience, the Native American history, like the, 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 the joys and the tragedy of all of it. Like, how does that guy capture this Canadian guy coming in and well, like, you, you know I what I mean? Just, like there's well, a real, he really tapped into that. Okay, so maybe I'm, I'm completely wrong about what I'm about to say, but this is just me deducing it. Yeah. Um, so we, I know we've both been to the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal and you'll see a lot of uh, like indigenous people uh, that live there. So I think, I mean, where's he from? Yeah. He's from Toronto, but he grew up in Winnipeg. Mm. Uh, so he started touring Canada as a solo artist in the mid sixties. I mean, I can only assume that, you know, there, there might've been a lot more. There's a lot of uh, reservations mm -hmm. set up around Canada. Cause keep this in mind. Sure. And we know because we've, you know, it's what everybody says, Canada and all my Canadian fans are going to get so pissed at what I'm about to say. Canada so is Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. And then like Calgary <laughs> and Winnipeg and Edmonton. And once you get out of those main cities, it's the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, and so there's yeah. a lot of beautiful fields. There's a lot of just, you know. Uh, Kansas. It's, it's Kansas. <laughs> it's, it's Alaska. It's, it's like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he saw it. I mean, I, yeah. I, that's, what yeah. I can, that's what I assume. He definitely, he definitely exudes it. He definitely yes. captured it, it in a really pretty profound way. It was kind of 
like you know this there's a it, it's just funny to have and i mean this is kind of the canadian thing with the comedians and stuff like that they actually almost seem more american than some american artists <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and maybe it's a little bit of the outsider looking in kind of a thing but he he captures like he to me even more than the grunge i see why the why the grunge thing connection is there but for my love of neil young like it's more connecting like with the band, you know, like it's that kind of American, uh, 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 American Americana folksy kind of artist. Then like, I see that connection, Dylan, the band, that kind of, that's my yeah. Neil Young in a way. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, some, some people just, can see outside of their world and kind of maybe, you know, he's doing the research. I don't know. Some people are, you yeah. know, some people are the Joe Rogans of music where they mm -hmm. can just be, <laughs> <Right>. they can <laughs> just, if the guy's saying the stuff and he, they takes it in and then it's his. And I yeah. mean, yep. who the, knows? Uh, just if I could circle back just for a sec, when we are talking about being uh, like at different ages and like identifying with music at different times. Yeah. Uh, I've been going through that lately with uh, with Van Morrison. I was, I've just Astral Weeks. I saw a guy performing Astral Weeks in, at Largo, and there's it's amazing how you could listen to music your entire life at one level, mm -hmm. and now at this age, I'm actually hearing the words. Like there, Van Morrison has very mystical, trippy lyrics that I never really took in until this age. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was listening to it, loved him, would put him as one of the top artists of all time. And how could that be? And I wasn't even cognizant of what he was saying in some of these words. Because you got older, because you got yeah. older and you finally started listening and you could process it a lot differently because of your life experience. It's, it's dude, there's, yeah. there's records that, I mean, that, that I always, okay. Computer, okay. Computer by Radiohead. When I was, I started listening to it before uh, I started going through this like weird, you know, like existential crisis where I was like, do I want to be in college? Do I want to travel the world? And then listening to it during that time when I'm having that crisis, mm -hmm. every song on the record felt like it was written for me. It was right. like, I never had something speak to me. Every breakup I've ever been through, I put right. on Beck Sea Change and it's like Oof. this record is 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 about exactly what I'm going through. Yeah, that's what's so great about art is when you know we might not get it. I mean, mm -hmm. dude, it's like even a fucking a yeah. Mel Brooks movie. Mel Brooks History of the World. I didn't when I saw it at seven eight years old. I didn't get ninety percent of the jokes. <laughs> the second I become you know seventeen eighteen and I'm watching it again, I'm like, holy shit, this is dirty. <laughs> yeah, right, and exactly. And you at at seven or eight, did you like it though? Like it was loved still it. fun. Yeah. Loved it. I loved for the, a whole different reason. The, yeah, the all yeah. the songs and it was just funny and there was yeah. fart jokes. But that's you know it's 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 just that's what. Amazing. so great about getting older yeah. is that you see things differently you realize what's important what's not important you appreciate art mm -hmm. way different you appreciate totally. cities everything friends and and so that someone like van morrison you know it's the you're not it's not written for it's written to be enjoyed by everybody, but it's not written for a 16 year old. No, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's this not. is, this is a, he's, he's somebody that's lived Dylan. Yeah. You know, 
it's rare that you get somebody at a young age that can write stuff the way someone like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Van yeah. Morrison and Paul McCartney and all of these guys, you know, have done. But it's like it, yeah. it's just it's it's dude. That's what I'm telling you, people. Get, when you get older, it fucking rules. It does. Yeah, your knees hurt. Yeah, your knees hurt, but it <laughs> rules. Don't live on a fifth floor walk up. You can't see saying. shit. You can't see shit. <laughs> can't see anything. Your, your hips hurt just from sitting. <laughs> but there's always a throb. There's a throb in your body. You don't. It's, and it changes where it goes. So hopefully, it just stays in one place. You can't see when you're walking through the comedy store in the dark. You're not oh. sure where the steps are. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has tripped backstage uh, on the walk from the I walk from it. the main room to the main room. Uh, uh, green to the room. OR, yeah. Everybody, everybody has tripped. I'm so glad to hear that because I'm like, am I a hundred years old? No, why am I, they don't like it am I properly. Grabbing, why am I grabbing onto rails and strangers in the audience? Dude, no, it's it's just they don't like that place properly. But that's why it's a good comedy club because it's dark yeah. as hell. Right, right. right. Danger right, fields. We, we got to talk about. We got to talk about some of the rest of this record. Uh, Sail away's good. Let's get to. Let's get to the Powder side finger. two. Let's get what to side Powder two. Fi- what about Powderfinger? Best solo on the record, in my opinion. Play three thirty four. solo acoustic version of Powderfinger in Malibu in 75 and intended it to be unreleased mid-70s record Chrome Dreams. He later sent the tape to his friend Ronnie Van Zandt as Skinner, which is funny because this is that solo kind of sounds like something from a Skinner record, uh, who were to use the song on their next record. However, Van Zandt died in a plane crash in October 77 and Leonard Skinner never recorded the song. But this is, this is, this is, I'd also, uh, Adam, find out how old Neil Young was when he made this record, because this is kind of cool. Like the lyrics are the uh, posthumous uh, narration of a young man who attempted to protect his family against an approaching gunboat. He realizes that all the older men are unavailable, leaving him to do the thinking. Uh, after initial indecision, he eventually takes action and is ultimately killed. The lines about fading away so young echo the line, it's better to burn out than fade away. This is, mm. I want to find out how old he is because this is like mm. he's telling this story. Yeah. Like you said about the Native Americans. What, what do you got, Adam? He was 34 years old when he recorded. Okay. All right. 34 is not young. It's not no. old at all, but it's not young. I mean, you no. you know, in your 30s, you yeah. maybe maybe you have You're a 401k. Up. Yeah, you have a 401k. <laughs> you, got, you got investments that hopefully you have investments. You're thinking about taking vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> you might take a daily vitamin because your parents say, at least if you're not eating properly, take a daily vitamin. Okay, right. Just take it, make sure you get your, your vitamins. Fine, um, fine. But yeah, that's that's pretty mature. And then, I mean, the next song, unless do you have something you want to add about this. Do you have anything you want to say about Powderfinger? Because it sounds like you're, you dig the shit out of it. Yeah, no, I like it. I, it just, that kind of like, the beginning of that really hits me. For some reason. Why? What is what is uh, I don't remember no. is it the lyrics? Look out, mama, there's a white boat coming up the river. <laughs> it's just With great because it's it's kind of like Gordon Lightfoot, where you're like, 
you're just you're into him because it's like it's emotional and he's talking about love and he's talking about all this stuff and then all of a sudden i'm wait i'm on a boat oh wait i'm on a railing <laughs> wait, wait what's happening where are we going you know what i mean like <laughs> this kind of epic stories that start to come this out like jerry bruckenheimer film <laughs> yeah Bruckheimer. You're, you're like again probably the first five times you listen to it you didn't even know it was about a boat yeah. <laughs> you're just like down up the river um, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's I think it's great storytelling. I think it's a great song. I love I love the way it sounds. And then I really dig Welfare Mothers. Uh, really, really, this is this is when when people say that this is pre grunge. Mm -hmm. Welfare Mothers, in in my opinion, is the the song on this record that perfect. And then mm -hmm. uh, even Sedan Deliver. Uh, it's another grunge song, almost punk rock. Um, and then, I mean, we got to talk about the 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 last song. Unless you have something you want to mention about these two songs. No, I don't. Okay, so yeah, hey, hey, my, my, pl uh, play the intro because this intro, we've yeah. we've already done it seven times. There's little little Tommy with a guitar, like I can do this. But that's did the only. Did you nail it? Bam,ปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามปามป
trust me, there's, I mean, there's Black Sabbath, there's Deep Purple, there's Led Zeppelin, there's people that, that's, that are those bands. Yeah. But that's what's cool about Neil Young now. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and I don't know, because I've never listened to anything else before that. I mean, is this the first time he's plugged in and went crunchy? Right. Yeah, I think it if is. it is, if it is, yeah, then then this is then this is him being like, right. no, I want to do something different. Punk's coming out. Right. Let's put on the distortion because that's what I feel right now. And that, that's right. I don't, I don't know what's that's going an on. Not, yeah, that's an artist. He's he's yeah. changing with the times. All right. Here's some random facts uh, and reviews about the record. So just because they just put out a new Rolling Stone list uh, yeah. in 2020. Uh, this album actually jumped uh, to number 296 on the 2020 Rolling Stone Top 500 list. That's a 55 spot improvement, which is uh, which is wow. big because a lot of the albums we've done so far didn't make it to the oh, 2020 wow. list. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't. All right. On the 2012 list, Neil Young appears uh, five times with Crazy Horse accompanying him twice. Um, besides today's, uh, you'll see a Neil and Crazy Horse at 210. Oh, okay. All right, what else do we got? We gotta, we gotta, Adam, did you get me some good facts? Because these are all these are all crap. <laughs> these are, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, I got some stuff. I got some stuff that is not even about the record. Neil was offered $1 million to headline Woodstock 94, but he uh-huh. turned it down for the fest becoming too commercial preferring to let the spirit of the original festival live on. That is a thing that I've always admired. And you know, from listening to music your whole life, that there's very few, there's only a couple that didn't put their music into a car ad. He was like one of the only ones that stayed when we were young, the idea, the idea that one of your favorite bands even thought about, Going into marketing and advertising, it was selling out, and it was the worst thing. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. If you if you thought your band was selling at selling out, which is now an aspiration, is was a crime, and he was one of the only guys that stuck to it his whole career. Good that's for a, him. That's pretty admirable. How much is he worth, though? Find out that Adam. How much is Neil Young worth? Go to like uh, Neil Young net worth. It's always accurate. It's always accurate. It's always pretty clear. Says that I'm worth ten million dollars. It's always accurate. <laughs> He's worth two hundred million. Yeah, he doesn't need to sell shit, dude. He's yeah. made his money. It's like there's certain people that just are good with what what they have. It's like, like I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. Matt LeBlanc from Friends, mm-hmm. and I know that's such a weird thing to to suddenly go to, but I was getting ready to move to Los to move to New York. I had to get rid of my Porsche, and because I got a Porsche Macan S in 2020, right before the world shut down, wouldn't have gotten it if I knew there was an infectious disease that was about to stop all my touring and everything. Son of a bitch. But. Uh, I had the car when I was getting ready to move. I was like, I got to sell it. I called the Porsche dealership and they were like, oh, here's this number. Call this guy. I called the guy. He's like, come by. Let me take a look at the car and we'll, and we'll buy it off you. And I, I drive in and Matt LeBlanc is in a Ferrari leaving. And I go to the guy that I'm meeting. I'm like, was that Matt LeBlanc? He goes, yeah, he's the co-owner of this place. Whoa. And I was like, no shit. And I was like, and I started talking to him. I was like, what, why is he co-owner of this place? He's worth like 800 million. He goes, not only is he co-owner, he's here every day because he loves cars so much. Wow. And that's what I'm saying is that this guy could do anything that he wants to do, yep. but he's, he's happy 
selling cars. And when yeah. I go to drop the car off two weeks later for them and I have to sign the paperwork, Matt LeBlanc is in the cut eating chicken wings. Like literally, <laughs> like hand him that paperwork and I talk to him and it's just like, that's what I'm saying. Some people, right. they make their money and they're happy with what they make. Yeah. And they don't need to sell out to, it's like, yeah. 200 million, your kids' kids' kids are fine. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. That's why yeah. when, yeah, I don't wanna say it, but when Dylan- Wait, say it. Dylan was in a, his music was in a car ad and then I was like, what's he, what's he doing? And then I went on his website and he's selling whiskey. I was just like, what? Is there a different Bob Dylan? <laughs> Is there, wait a minute. This can't be the same guy. He's it's not the same. spokesman of it. He was just his music or is he like, is he like his you know, song? <laughs> no, his song was like, under like some car ad. And then he, oh. and then he has whiskey. That's he's just selling whiskey. I, don't know. I mean, that's kind of, listen, you I know, get it. I get the, it. It's fine, yeah. but I want mythology. I want heroes. Yeah. I know, it's, I know it's a lot to ask, but there you go. Is it better to burn out or is it better to sell whiskey? to yeah. to people you know exactly and when you say that it's like it's almost like it is two versions of the same guy yeah there's that there's actually like four different versions this is a weird this is a weird fact this is the last one i got yeah. uh, for a short period in 1996 neil shared a toronto apartment with rick james Wow. Remembering the experience in an interview with Howard Stern, Neil said, we did some wild things. It's all very hazy to me now. I'm glad I made it through that stage. It got a little <laughs> dicey. <laughs> there were some drugs going on. Oh, you think? Yeah. You think there were some drugs? <laughs> I remember singing one song for about a day and a half. God, <laughs> if I could have a GoPro camera and go back in time and set it up in the corner of somebody's apartment to watch, just study. <laughs> if I could big brother any apartment in the history of the world, maybe I would see the conversation between Lennon and Young, fucking Neil <laughs> Young and Rick James, dude. Super Bad. freak, super <laughs> freak, I'm super freak. Should we? <laughs> I'm doing Neil Young's voice. Should we put out another line? You wanna, you want a biggie thicky or a smallie quickie? Because I know you gotta get out of here. God, let's go, Ricky. You're my best friend. <laughs> you're my best friend. Now I'm right, Tally I from South Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what, what you're doing. You know, I see what you're doing with that song, Super Freak. Yeah, all right. I'm digging the vibe. I'm so Good. high. I'm so high right now. Um, God, I love that. All right, I rapid so questions, good. and then you're out of here, man. And this is Tom. This has been so much fun, dude. So thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Sincerely. My pleasure. All right, favorite song on the record? Uh, ooh, I would say, I have to say, because of my my guitar history, I'm going to say uh, My My Hey Hey. Okay. Pocahontas is close second, though. Okay, cool. Uh, least favorite song on the record? Uh, probably The Llama. What? Yeah, I love that. I love the title. Title's great, dude. Title's great. The song, Title's yeah, great. It's the most rock star fucking... It is that's great. Like, that's Ride the Lightning, Metallica, dude. <laughs> ride the, gotta ride the llama! <laughs> I love it. Uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? Oh, Pocahontas. Nice. Yeah, dude. You're yeah. the Native Americans. That's what turns I'm, you on. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like, I like, I like my sex with a little misery. There Quiet is, misery, dude. though, Quiet not choking misery. misery. Also, it's not a long song either. You know what I mean? In and out, dude. In and out. Uh, all right, and then why should the younger generation listen to this record? Oh, 
because it's got balls, because it's got energy, but it's also, it's meaningful. It's heavy. It's, it's got depth. It has depth and maybe depth is, seems to me in my old man analysis, something we may be lacking. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, I, in, in my opinion, if you're a fan of, of Pearl Jam, if you're a fan of Alice in Chains, if you're a fan of any, you know, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, any of the bands, Jesus and Mary Chain, I could go on and on and on. It's like, I almost feel like you have to listen to this to realize how you got to that. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's cool. I think that's that's why I love doing this podcast is because yeah. now it, it all, all that other shit that I grew up listening to in the mm -hmm. 90s, it all makes sense. And uh, I don't think you, you, you get to that without having someone like Neil Young plugging in and, yeah. and, and, and doing, and I love it. I love that. I, the reason I love this record is because I love that he bookended the record yeah. with the same song in two different ways. And, and they are equally as important yeah. as the other. It's like 100%. you, it shows you, it shows you the two sides of Neil Young. It shows yeah. you where he was at in 79 and, uh, and yeah, man. Listen the greatest. to greatest. Very cool. Uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, promote away. Anything you want to promote, please. Just go to uh, TomPapa.com. That's where you find all my nonsense, my books, my tour. I'm out on tour right now. I'm going everywhere in the United States between now and March. So if you want to see me more than my wife, go to TomPapa.com <laughs> and uh, that'll link you to everything. Uh, this was great, buddy. Thank you, man. You're the best. Thank you. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Tom Papa. Follow him on all social media at Tom Papa. Go to his website for all things Tom, TomPapa.com, and listen to his radio show, What a Joke, on Sirius XM Channel 93, and his podcast, Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. Listener shout out this week. I want to give it up to my homeboy, ASAP Robbie. That's A S A P underscore R O B B B. Why? Hit him up, tell him why he's a general in the fleece army, and give your love. And if you guys keep commenting and doing shit like this on my post, you'll get the listener shout out, which means we're going to send you the $25 gift certificate to Red Lobster, and you get free tickets to a goddamn comedy jam uh, if we do it in your area. All right, new music. Kirk Hicks, listener submitted. Fuck yeah, dude. This guy is a fan. You're listening to the song Gordy Lights by Kirk's Toronto-based band Gordon Lightroom. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band just like Kirk and you want your music played on the 500 and put on the website and we promote it and we help you and we try to build you as an artist, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Guess what? It's another Yard Birdie week coming up. The Yard Birds. The Yardy Yard Birds. And uh, we're going into their 1966 self-titled record, which I think is also called Roger the Engineer. Eh, look at the list. Uh, do your homework. Doogle doogle. Stay please. By i
Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. Next chapter podcasts.